Welcome to the Work From Home edition of the Market Week in Review for the week ending August 21st, 2020. I'm Julie Zhang, and I'm joined today by our Senior Investment Strategy Analyst, Alex Kuzli, all the way from Sydney, Australia. Hi, Alex. Great to see you. And how are you today? Hi, Julie. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Wonderful. Finally, great to uh, get someone from all the way down under. So on today's call, Alex is joining me to cover three separate topics. First, the Fed estimates on the economic recovery. Second, the markets in the U.S. here hitting an all-time high. And finally, the global supply chain activities that we're seeing around the world. So let's go to the first one, Alex. So the Fed lowered their estimate for economic growth of the second half of this year. What impact do we believe this will actually have on markets and investors? Sure. So I think as a you know to start with, you know, the importance of the Fed through this uh, market rally that we've seen, they've been extreme, extremely accommodative um, through this phase. And we continue to expect that will be the focus. So while they did downgrade those estimates, when they're talking about their policy stimulus and their accommodative nature, that really hasn't changed. I think there's three key things from the minutes that we were looking for is around this policy review that they're in place of. So they're looking at the way that they target inflation because they have missed basically through the, the previous cycle. Uh, and what we've been looking for is to see indications that they're moving towards average inflation targeting where they make up for losses on inflation. So basically they will let the economy run a little bit hotter than they otherwise would. Um, it looks like that policy review is getting close to conclusion. So we should hear from that soon. On yield curve control, now this is a policy that Japan and Australia are both doing where they target a set interest rate on one part of the yield curve. They still remain quite sceptical of that. I think one of the key reasons is that while they lowered their estimate for economic growth, there is a lot of uncertainty around their outlook and they are a bit reticent to peg a certain calendar time period on which you're going to keep interest rates at a certain level. And we think what they're going to do is prefer forward guidance. So they will say, we're going to keep rates low until we achieve a certain economic outcome, i.e. inflation coming back to 2%. Great. Sounds like it's going to be more uncertainty, perhaps, and some more accommodative measures that we'll be seeing going forward. So also what happened this week was that the S&P 500 hit its first record high since the start of the pandemic on Tuesday and has taken a bit of a step back since then. But how do we interpret this against the backdrop of rising unemployment and likely more turbulence in the markets ahead? Yeah, sure. So... I think the important thing, I think Eric recently made this point a couple of weeks ago, is that we have gone through the really bad set of data. We went through earnings season, which was really bad, but importantly, wasn't as bad as expected. We've actually been seeing analysts start to upgrade their earnings estimates. Um, As was noted last week, the labor market is still really bad, but we are seeing small steps towards improvement. I think looking ahead, there are three key risks that we're focused on. The first has been covered in previous market week in reviews around the fiscal discussions, and we still expect that there'll be some negotiation and agreement between the White House and the Democrats. The second one is the narrow leadership of the rally, and we saw that again this week with Apple now cracking $2 trillion in market cap. Uh, For context, the Russell 2000 is $2.3 trillion. The size of these mega type tech companies is really now starting to show itself and then lastly, and this will probably tie into our third conversation, is around what's happening with the US-China negotiations uh, and the escalating rhetoric there. When we think about the shorter term outlook, though, we, we tend to look at sentiment. We want to get a picture of you know, how the market's feeling. Are we seeing signs of greed? Are we seeing signs of panic? And our contrarian composite um, indicator that uh, Kara Ng has put together is still showing that that's fairly neutral. We aren't really seeing any big signs of greed. That's good to know. A little bit more optimism, hopefully, in the future for the markets then. 
So after we all saw some panic buying earlier this year with toilet paper and healthcare supplies, you mentioned some of the conflicts between U.S. and China. What are steps that countries around the world are perhaps taking to make their supply chains more resilient? Right. So I think, you know, when we did go through the, the COVID experience, I think, as you mentioned, toilet paper hoarding. But the other big thing was medical supplies. China is a big producer and supplier of medical supplies. And we've seen a number of countries reiterating the need to bring a lot of that production back closer to home. Uh, more, more broadly, though, the changes are proving more marginal in terms of these restructurings of supply chains, at least on top of what we were already seeing. Um, a couple of notable things is so the US-China Business Council, so this is a group of 200 plus businesses that operate in China, uh, you know, 87% of those companies had no plans to move production out of the country post the COVID experience, uh, 4% are planning to move to the US. The other notable uh, development in terms of trying to move production back home was actually in Japan. Japan were offering 87 of their companies uh, about $550 million dollars to bring their production back home. And, and some of those companies have taken it up and some are preferring to stay where they are just because of the cost benefits or you know, the costs associated with um, bringing the supply chain back home. So we are seeing it, but I think it's proving much more marginal than some of the more um, exaggerated forecasts that were coming out as we're entering the COVID experience is suggesting. It's good to hear that globalization is still alive and well. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Alex, and for sharing your insights. Thank you all for joining us. We hope you and your family stay healthy and safe. See you next time.